0: Sixes Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers' favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixes Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast.
1: Here we go! Hello and welcome to another episode of Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis and a special episode right now is we're starting to inch closer towards the, the 2021-22 NBL season and at the Adelaide 36ers we have a new coach and here on Sixers Fix what better way to re- release another episode building up to the season than catching up with that coach and dedicating this special episode to him. The man of course is the legendary CJ Bruton his first time coming to Adelaide, and it just happens to be as a head coach. So we'll catch up with him here on this very special edition of Sixes Fix with Scott Ninnis. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host, and as we get stuck into it, um, we prepare for a, for hearing from the new coach. And I, it's, I've been able to sit down with CJ and have a fascinating discussion with him about taking on this job with the 36ers, how it came about, it at, at kind of kind of late notice. I think it's fair to say. Um, what happened with Connor Henry is obviously well-documented now and he's no longer the head coach of the thirty sixes after after one season. And And first of all, from, from us here at Sixers Fix, on behalf of Scott Ninnis and myself, we have to thank Connor for everything that he, he did for us. He obviously had his Ask the Coach segment each and every week here on the show last season, thanks to Sports Card World, was very generous with his time. And I guess as we chatted on our last episode... It was Scott and I when we talked about the the decision to to move move on from Connor and replacing him with CJ um, yeah I've had a long history with Connor and I do wish him all the best and thank him for for everything but it's now time to look forwards and gee if you're looking for basketball royalty in Australia there's no better than than going to this to the Bruton name and CJ now follows in his father's footsteps he firstly did so as a player obviously and now as a, as a head coach in the NBL. And, and to be honest, we're here at Sixers Fix, we're delighted that the Adelaide 36ers have backed us in to be the official club's podcast for another season, and we couldn't be more excited to have CJ as the head coach. I mean, it was interesting circumstances the way it all happened, but if you're looking for, for a new head coach, you, you you couldn't have asked for a better result than ending up with CJ Bruton. Just think about the remarkable playing career that he had, and he, he had the pressure of growing up, as the son of his dad, Cal, who was a already a legendary figure as a player and coach. Um, by the time he was in his teenage years growing up in Perth in the early 1990s, he came through playing his local basketball there at the Perry Lakes Hawks. He won an SBL championship in in WA with the Hawks back in 1994. And then as a rookie, he burst onto the scenes in the NBL at the Perth Wildcats and you know, ironically, he finished his career with the Wildcats as his great rivals when he was winning those th- three-peat of championships at the New Zealand Breakers. It's amazing how things come full circle. But in a playing career that included representing Australia at the Olympic Games proudly, having a college career, playing internationally, but in the NBL, whether it was at the Perth Wildcats, the Brisbane Bullets, the Wollongong Hawks, the Canberra Cannons, the Sydney Kings, or then finally... The New Zealand Breakers, very few have done it better than CJ Bruton in the history of the NBL. 516 NBL games across 20 years from 1994 to 2014. Six championships along the way, obviously. 2004, 2005, um, famously at the Sydney Kings, 2007 at the Brisbane Bullets in that team that still many people consider the greatest team to ever hit the floor in an NBL season and then... 2011, 2012, 2013, making history again at the New Zealand Breakers. And ever since, he's returned to Brisbane when Andre Lamanis was appointed head coach there for the Brisbane Bullets when they returned to the league. And and he, he was being groomed to be the new head coach to take over from, from Andre whenever Andre moved on. Eventually, Andre did move on. As of the end of last season, I think Andre was expecting CJ to be appointed head coach. And as we'll talk about with CJ shortly, I think CJ was probably expecting it too. Um, from a personal point of view, I was expecting it. And they decided to go to go a different route. Um, CJ was happy to stay at the Bullets when there was, well, once the other NBL jobs were, were filled, the Wildcats filled their, their their vacant coaching position, so did the Cairns Taipans. Um, but then all of a sudden, the job came up at the 36ers, CJ Bruton ended up being appointed coach and yeah, we all couldn't be more more delighted. Um, I've probably rambled on just enough. Um, a big thank you for making Sixers Fix happen once again, thanks to our sponsors, and we're delighted to have them back again for another season. So thank you to Australian Motors Mitsubishi for making it happen. We're looking forward to working with you once again and, and rewarding our listeners with some prizes, thanks to you, thanks to Sports Card World. We look forward to having a little bit of a revamped, Ask the Coach segment, where our listeners can be rewarded with some incredible prizes from you once again. And a big thank you to Premium Wine Tours. And, of course, thank you to All-Star Photos and Kelly Barnes. So more info on each of those sponsors as we move along and get closer to the NBL, NBL season. And, of course, you might have noticed I haven't got Scott Ninnis with me right now. We'll be back next week, and we'll do an episode where we... Catch up with another of the new faces for the Adelaide 36ers playing squad this season and give you an update on the way things are progressing. Hopefully we're not too much more than a month away from the season starting, but we're still waiting on that start date. But it's time now to get to CJ Bruton here on Sixers Fix. And before we do, I'll take you back on a little a little journey down memory lane about some of the things that he, he did in his playing career. I'll start off, firstly, playing this little highlights package from when he set the then-record nine NBL three-pointers in a grand final game for the Sydney Kings against the West Sydney Razorbacks. And you might hear the familiar tones of John Casey calling, calling the action. ...that penetration that
0: time by the big fella. Bruton for the dribble, for the dribble. their third in the match, likewise are Sydney... Still a five-point lead for the Sydney Kings and C.J. Bruton again finds an opening at the top of the key, back-to-back threes from C.J. You're dead right, I think C.J. sees it, they're not showing the big fans. Kings, a 26-20 lead in the rebound count at the moment, they lead by seven, Make get double figures. C.J.'s caught fire get it going from the perimeter. And Carwell leads them at 80 on 8 of 10 shooting. And CJ Bruton now above 50 with his three-point shooting. 4 C.J. of 7. He's got to give you that. CJ Bruton fires over the top of John and knocks down another 5 of 8 from Dick. Bruton has 21. Shot block winding down CJ Bruton fires over the top of John Reilly and he's now hit six of 11 threes couldn't finish it off loose ball scramble Wheeler keeps it alive to CJ Bruton, C.J. Bruton. grand final history is Ebi Ura baseline couldn't finish it Nielsen another rebound CJ equals Sydney's lowest score of the season was 78 against the Sydney Kings back on the 21st of Feb where they were pounded by 26 points, the heaviest defeat of the year. It's in some danger here as CJ Bruton claims the NBL grand final record. He's hit nine threes and now has a season-high 35.
1: And next up, we'll go to 2013 when CJ Bruton hit the clinching free throws against the... The Perth Wildcats and, and the Breakers became three-time NBL NBL champions.
0: And Lish gives him another one. Another little quick word. Only 72%. Well, I will say only, it's solid, but he's been better throughout his career, but 72% on the season and nothing but cotton. He is the last guy you want to foul. He <laughs> loves and this, the big stage. And this, yeah, on the, this big stage, like you said, This is for the game. The championship.
2: Still got some time.
0: After CJ makes this one. He slides that one in. Lish loses the ball. Jackson, that's it. That's all she wrote. New Zealand have won three straight NBL champions three times in a row. The New Zealand Breakers have been the best team all year long and they get it done in two straight games.
1: There you go. So it's a bit of a reminder of some of the things that CJ did in his NBL career It never brought him to Adelaide. So whether he was playing for the Wildcats, the Bullets, the Hawks, the Cannons, the Kings, the Breakers, he was a a rival of the 36ers along the way, but now... He's in 36 Colours. He's the head coach. And here on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis, we're about to chat with the man himself, CJ Bruton. Okay, we're back here on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. And, and Scott is taking a back seat, but I'm joined by the one and only CJ Bruton. And an honour to be joined by you, CJ. Thanks for joining us here for your first time on Sixers Fix. Is it still strange? Think, um, is it still strange to hear yourself being introduced as an Adelaide thirty sixes head coach? Uh,
2: I think uh, it it will be strange. Um, I just I think it's not so much where it's now you're in this space, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you've dreamed of it of, of becoming a head coach, and uh, now I get to fulfil that, uh, and feel that. And my starting point is in Adelaide, and I hope it's a long career, like uh, when I look at past players that have played in Adelaide and and, uh, I look at the success of of a franchise and and for someone that's grown up in an era that watched it from the Bearcats to the Mm 36s to the legacy that they've had, it's uh, understanding all all facets of of an area um, like South Australia and understanding from their juniors, from their state programs, uh, from the country to the metro, the SA basketball, to understand that it's the, the grassroots all the way up. The kids that have been in Adelaide that have gone up in Adelaide, to the kids that haven't had it, uh, that have missed out, but have been great NBL one players. Uh, the names shine, but for me as a as a coach, it's sort of similar. Yes, it's, it's surreal, but it's, it's um, I'm I'm super excited about being uh, the next coach for the 36ers and proud to be associated with such a, a prestige uh, space of basketball.
1: Now, before we get a little bit more. Serious um, obviously Scotty Ninnis is usually the co-host here on the show and he's got his name on on the podcast But he's not with us right now. Is that because you torched him once too many times in those you, <laughs> you, you were able to play against him late in his career. Did you did you have some memories of torching him? Maybe once too many? Well, I, I know we
2: we've, we've definitely crossed paths a couple of times. I, I don't know how many years mm. uh, knew that we crossed I, I played ninety. started my career in 94 Yep. with a, a Five group of elite players that should one day go into the Hall of Fame, but are doing many great things in in the basketball space. But uh, my time against Scotty, uh, either he was, if, if if we were on at the same time, it would have been, it would have been um, special for both of us because we either my team was either up or we were in crunch time, <laughs> or he was out there trying to close the game, and I was able to, to finish a game, which. Yeah. Uh, as a as a rookie, that doesn't happen very often, but it was definitely um, something that you cherish every moment that you're, that you're out there with your teammates and on the floor. And just at practice.
1: Absolutely. So I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna spend plenty of time along alongside him. I'll I'll definitely
2: find some video. I'll <laughs> definitely find some video of uh, of me and send some clips in just, yeah, just we'll, so I can reminisce. we we'll, sure. we'll,
1: we'll, <laughs> we'll track that down for sure. Um, before we talk about how you got the job. What's your position like right now? Are you still in Brisbane and when are you hoping to get to Adelaide? Do you have any idea?
2: Uh, I don't have any idea yet. Um, I've, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't really said much about where I'm at. I've had to come back to Brisbane um, after my mutual uh, introduction. and I've had surgery just recently, so I'm yet waiting to get it all clear. Once I mm. get the all clear, then I'll be... I'll be able to move about and do things. Um, um so I haven't, I haven't got the old clear yet. Um, we've got another meeting on Tuesday and hopefully find more information out about that. But while I'm still here, um, there's still, I talked with us still to yet join the team. Everyone else is in Adelaide currently. Yep. Um, and so with one more play here, I get to at least spend a few days with him or if seven days, depending on, uh, how the, how the virus and how, how each state plays out. Um, depending on how quickly we can uh, get into to SA and, and get started with the group.
1: Right now you're putting a lot of faith in Jamie Perlman and I guess he's a pretty good man to be able to, to trust, to, to be taking a lot of those training sessions and to be getting the, getting the team ready right now.
2: Yeah, he's a, uh, well, he was a, he's a great person, great human. Um, he's a great teacher, he understands. The game has played it a long time um, at a high level and, and got to coach overseas. And I think uh, with, with the selection from uh, Grant and JVG, I've put him as the assistant coach with Connor. And then, um, unfortunately, how things have played out uh, with Connor. But having Jamie there, he's got the finger on the pulse and understands the game, uh, knows how to get everyone prepared. Um, if if the head coach, if coach, he was the head coach and running the show until I can get in town. And to him and Richo, um, they've been doing an amazing job of with everyone's conditioning and keeping everyone on track. And uh, so when I get into town, it will be uh, like we never miss the beat.
1: Mm. Now, this time a month ago, there wasn't a head coaching job available at the 36s. It was a, a, a remarkable sort of set of events that happened. I mean, how surprised were you, first of all, when suddenly there was a job available there? And can you just talk through a little bit about the process, if you can, about how you ended up then being appointed as the head coach?
2: Yeah, well, um, I guess it was shocking news throughout the NBL and mm. with that Connor was, um, he was no longer uh, appointed as the head coach and I saw him on Twitter on the boys, at, when I was at boys' practice and the boys at practice, was like, oh, have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I said, I heard, and I didn't see it, but I heard about it and now it's everywhere, so, so yeah, everyone was interested to find out who was, uh, you know, next in line or what happened and how it all went down and I said I know I have a good relationship with JVG but I wasn't really in that space to go and uh, reach out to find out exactly where, where things are with everyone else's team as you know currently I had a job with the Brisbane Bullets and uh, players that have been brought into town continuing to work them out and get them to the right space right frame of mind so they can compete for the season and having a Maybe in a few weeks, and or not even uh, probably in a week, ten days after, and um, got a call, and um, if we could have a chat, and I thought that, that's just normal, I like we just G and I having a having a chat over the phone, and um, that chat went into um, if you're interested, we'd like to put your name in the in the mix to to be um, coach for the thirty sixes, and. Talked it over with my wife Who I call Princess Her name is mm-hmm. Jessica But yep. you'll never hear me Say mm-hmm. that again yep. Yep. Now that I've already Told you once um, But Princess and I Had a chat And uh, we sat down And um, you know is, this this, this For everyone At this point in time And where we're situated And how things are playing out And um, being on the The cusp of Either staying or going I was trying to I was thinking about uh, the opportunities of going to go into the NBA and uh, applying my trade over, over there and doing some work and you know you're, you're a year away from going over that way or you stay here and and so in the in the end it's like i, w- I want to be a head coach and so once we i, I really want to want to do this and and this is a great opportunity and it's a, a great team that's been put together by jbg and grant and i think that um, um i think we will be able to do something special in adelaide and knowing that there's been a lot of turnover once we Sat down and uh, started going through uh, the, the process of talking about what you know what, what a team needs, or what I see that the team needs. And it was pretty much team was pretty much put in place, but yet a few pieces that you still know yet to be filled. Um, but to be able to make a, an impact on and off the court and um, is, is huge for me. Um, and I, I see a group that's very, if not capable of being a. I uh, like. The, I think every team, as you started the. Preseason, everyone thinks of their team as championship material and chance to make the playoffs. And I feel like as the season goes on, and you will you no, you know in that 10 to 15 games exactly where the team sit and mm. how much improvement your team needs, is, as most teams know throughout a season uh, through an NBL season anyway. And um, I just think that I've, uh, with the people and the pieces I will have with me, that we'll be able to do something special. And I think Adelaide's a great place to do that. It's a great family environment, has a great culture, uh, great respect throughout, throughout the league. While everyone's saying that this is, wild we sad for Connor, it was a blessing in the for myself and, you know, being patient, I guess, and I guess missing out on the Brisbane Bullets opportunity, which everyone expected me to get, hands down, um, ownership decided, and our CEO decided that it was, a, they wanted to go a different route, of it. Andre leaving, and and uh, it wasn't anything to do with my basketball skills. It was more of they wanted a fresh, fresh bar. been here five years and chose to go a different route. And I can beg to differ, but it's, it's not my place. I said I didn't have the job. Mm. I didn't lose a job because I was the assistant coach anyway. I applied for the head coaching role. And I know as a point guard who's played all around, all over the globe and even represented the country. And, you know, sometimes you have to wait your turn to, oh. to be at the helm. And then you get to show exactly what you're capable of doing and why you're doing it. I'm not here to rub it into anybody's face. I'm here to, show you how I affect the game both on and off the floor. But this is about the Adelaide 36ers and no longer about TJ Bruton and yep. and showing everyone in the community just how to be proud of the team again and wanted to come out and pack the state in the way they have been in the past, win or lose, that um, we represent the club in the right way on and off the court and, and have fun doing it with our families and, and as a community.
1: You touched on a couple of things that I wanted to, to mention to you. The first one was that I mean, obviously, nobody liked seeing what happened to Connor. But the the silver lining is the fact that I think a lot of people, including myself, are delighted that you've now got a head coaching job that we feel like you were ready for. I mean, I, I spent a, a bit of time speaking to Andre Lamanas the last couple of years about you and your coaching development, and and clearly mm. he felt you were ready to be a head coach. And 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 you know, I think I think it's pretty obvious that his plan was for you to to succeed him at, at the Bullets. So the fact is that. You were ready to be a head coach, weren't you? Whether it was the Bullets or the 36s, you were pretty much ready, ready to go. Is that how you felt?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have I wouldn't pushed it or pursued it. Mm. I, I guess I even at NBA, people that were, a, I hope you didn't get the Bullets job. If you're interested, you know, I just need to know. Mm-hmm. And um, I was pretty excited about that. I um, had things moving on in the background. Uh, uh, just through, through throughout Australia, which was exciting that I get to be a part of in the future. And uh, I was, I was super, um, it just it kept my, kept my spirits high that I was doing the right thing. And I mean, no one likes any setbacks, but as you know, that, you know, in life we get thrown different, we get dealt with different things and at different times and, um, and being able to, to be strong and understand, there's not always a, a reason that you need to know why it's happening to you right now. And mm. it's, it's about the, the situation and the timing. And as I said, I think that there was a blessing that I I didn't get that job and and even even the Kings job that yep. came up late when I felt like they already had forty was already their guy. Um, three months in, you know left in the season, and even though they wanted to interview me and I did went through the process, I wasn't about to give away. Uh, a whole bunch of my secrets Mm. because I don't have the job. So I I felt that um, I've done enough there to tickle their interests and they're the ones that seek me out. So I wasn't seeking them out again, um, which is another exciting thing that you're wanted. Everyone wants to feel wanted and have a place of belonging and understanding that. And I know that by growing up in Australia, you know, Mm. (laughs) as as a young kid, Um, trying to get, it's not even about validation. It's about feeling respected and And honored to do your part and be able to help in in society and the community, um, and then giving your best. So I think it's, it's all sort of paid out, um, the way, yeah, the way it's meant to be. And Mm. as for, as for the 30, uh, the 36s, um, you know, I guess talking about, it's not even talking about Connor. It's, it's like that moment for me had passed and I didn't, I haven't spoken to Connor yet. Um, and while it's sad news, and when I'm in town, I speak to every coach and try and get a feel. And right now, I'm trying to keep um, my head clean and understanding, you know, the, the environment, uh, getting keeping a finger on the pulse, as I said earlier, but also uh, just appreciating every every part of this journey as well.
1: I'll come back to ask you about Andre because obviously Andre has had a massive part late in your playing career, and obviously in you developing as a coach, but. You've had some amazing coaches throughout your playing career, and I reckon the first one was way back in those in that rookie season you had it over in Perth with the of Lakes Hawks, and you had John Gardner as your coach. He's probably Western Australia's greatest ever ever coach, the late John Gardner. And mm. I've spoke to a lot of people from that team. You know, guys like Deion D'Agostino and and Ryan Gardner, who. Who clearly you were going to be something special on that team. But what was it like for you to play under someone like John Gardner when you were still a teenager, before you'd even played in the NBL? And does someone like him sort of start to have you thinking about the coaching philosophies that you end up developing?
2: I think mean, my coaching philosophy came by just being a, a full wiper, being a um, point guard in my family. I think yeah, yeah. being around my dad 24 7, and well, not 24 7, because he was. Back in the day, they weren't there as much, so but it's a full-time job and and then train at night. And then you know, I got to see him if at dinner or just after dinner, and you know, wake up in the morning, see him before you rush off to school. And you know, we hear the results, but when it was the weekends that they played at home, being able to wipe the floor, um, to be at to be at practice, to be able to shadow and and see the great players from Mike Ellis um, to the Eric Watterson, the local heroes mm-hmm. to to the sculpted feelings of this world, the young kids come in and how do they adjust and, and find their feet uh, from him and David Close, the guys that have been at the Centre of Excellence that have come through, come through the ranks. Um, I got to see that firsthand by being with my father mm. and, and then wiping the floors and firsthand seeing that. Um, I was blessed unfortunate fortunate from the time I left Brisbane in 1986 80, to move out west in eighty seven. So um, I, I played with Ryan Gardner, um, on the, my very first, uh, first touch of the ball, I guess, out west yeah. uh, at City Beach, the local club that we played for, and Scarborough, Scarborough City Hawks, which is now the Prairie Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um So that was our, our club team. Um, and it just from there, I think his father coached our, our Prairie Lakes Hawks team um, from from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, and on, on the four teams, you, get, you have all the parents that are involved. And uh, I remember Kane Simpson, who was an, another intriguing part of on my City Beach team and Perry Lakes Hawks, his father Ian was our uh, our head coach, and to, to see a father coach our team and you know as a kid, the, the love was always there. His passion, not only for while we, we probably drove him to, to, to make his heart rates feel like he was about to have a mm-hmm. heart attack four or five times, and how mm-hmm. uh, how we try to play at a fast pace and mm-hmm. change the game, and by what we see on TV and by watching. You know, the pros do it. We, we all will try to emulate that them sort of things. Um, but from that point to the family figure to having um, John Gardner coach me at, at Prairie Lakes, he was able to to get the basics in, I guess, the fundamentally sound players and my when I was at home it's spending the more time that you can, you know, on the court and if you want to be great, you're going to have to put in the work and I remember my dad telling me, you know, like, son, like, there's a court down the road. And so she, you know, five in the morning, five or six thirty, 30, go and do that before school starts, come back, have breakfast, and walk to school like nothing happened. And then after school, you got your club basketball, trainings and things like that. So learning how to work at a young age was, was key. Um, but then having my dad come home and being able to sit with him, watching dissect the game uh, and understanding the game and what he's looking for, what he's seeing. And then being a point guard, uh, you know, I felt like I was shacking my family by the time I was 16. Um, <laughs> as you know, my dad's not very big, no. so that was kind of uh, a point where I thought, "Oh, yeah, now I'm, I'm probably going to be 6'5", six, six which mm. I never quite got to unless I had my throw out. Um, so <laughs> it was um, always important to be able to understand the pulse of the team, um, understanding body language, where each individual player was at, um, you know, just being a leading scorer on a team and not being successful isn't much fun. Mm. And while everyone thinks that it's you know, well, that was a great individual accolade, or you play very well today, um, I think it's from a young age. I was I was taught, and growing up in Australia, I was taught that this is always a team game, regardless of how well you play or, or you don't play as an individual player. It's about your team results. And while I watched guys different times, be very happy about their own play when the, when your team lost, and then very sad when they didn't play so well. As we know today, um, the team doesn't play so well, but they play great, but yet they're, they're out there bubbling and talking yeah. like, well, I did my part, and really, the team didn't do theirs. But how can you help teammates come along? And so working through those little uh, pockets of uh, understanding was, was key for me. But yeah, I definitely learned a lot from from uh, John Gardner and his time, and, um, and then getting my chance to play with the Wildcats. I think that was all from the the junior plays and accolades that I did, uh, was able to achieve with um, great success with guys like Phil Doherty, uh, Brett Jeffries who's now with the Perth Wildcats, um, Sam Fotu, mm. uh, Ryan Gardner and, and, and crew. Yeah. I mean, we came to so we all, we had a very good group in WA through my junior junior time which again plays dear to my heart and then being able to play in the SBL which is now the NBL one yep. uh, and be able to in my rookie year play with guys like Pete Hanson who ended up playing for the Wildcats yeah. You know, years later, two years later, and winning a title uh, to be able to play with um, Keith Gardner, who was a legendary player of the Hawks, and Ryan's older brother, mm-hmm. who dominated. And then, as you said, Dion D'Agostino is a guy that's mm-hmm. a couple of years older than me. But to be able to always play against those kids in that age group and play up and get beat up on and keep understanding, and keep coming back and not giving up. And then, once you feel like you can compete with them, I'm ready to take the next leap and and, and 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 more. You know wanting to strive to be better every day was, was key and I think it helped propel me throughout my, my career as well.
1: I'll get back to the 36 in a second, but you mentioned Mike Ellis as well, and it's remarkable that how things sort of come full circle. Up until two years ago, he was still coaching your brother there at the at the Senators.
2: Yes, he was, yeah. Mike's um, been great in the uh, WA community and obviously his son Cody spent time not only with him at Sterling, but then went to college in St. Yep. St. Louis yep. and... Uh, Mike came back and got back involved in the in the community side and uh, in the junior junior ranks as well as the senior ranks and um, it's a club that's been youth of the family's heart and will always be in their blood. Uh, but to see, um, yeah, Mike coach coached my brother like my father coached him and was able to help him win his first championship in 1990 in Perth, which yep. a lot of people still don't acknowledge that that one, but yeah. <laughs> they acknowledge every other championship. <laughs> but um, yeah, Mike, I think it was special for. For him and his family, uh, for what they've given to the Turf Wildcats, to, and to see him coach my my little brother uh, Austin, um, who's played with the likes of the, the Dave Andersons of this world, and uh, and and uh, Adrian Marsovic, who's went on to you know centre of excellence yeah. and have a, have a career not in, uh, in the NBL and went overseas.
1: Now, um, it's remarkable to think that your family's life in in basketball in the NBL, obviously your dad started back in the mid-'80s. It's never taken any of you to Adelaide until now. I mean, obviously, um, a long, long history in WA like you talked about, a long history in Brisbane, mm. Wollongong, Canberra, Sydney, New Zealand, but it's never taken you, taken you to Adelaide. Up until right now, is, have the 36ers always felt like a great enemy of yours or or how have you always felt about the 36ers?
2: Well, well, first my dad was, I mean, he came in 79 when the NBL first started. Yeah, with sorry, yeah. Brisbane. It was, it was so that was, uh, before, yeah. Brisbane's first, first, first day, first game, I guess,
1: uh,
2: Illawarra Hawks down in the snake pit mm-hmm. on YouTube. If you know that <laughs> want to see, uh, how the high shorts and how the uniforms have changed <laughs> over time from the Wollongong being red and, red and white, um, mm-hmm. and, and that was the Bullets then, and, and then now the Illawarra Hawks, uh, who were then white and yellow, and now, a red and white so yeah. um yeah, definitely with the cloud of my dad competing against each other back then um, as for uh, coming to Adelaide uh, and, and not being there I think it's it's always uh, I look at it like for me I look upon it like Melbourne as a one of the meccas of mm-hmm. of the game and while Perth had the runs on the board and and Sydney has the big market and New Zealand being in, in New Zealand and have an effect on the country i've always looked as a kid growing up to see from the time that i've been able to watch the game like um you know from the the ray gordons to the mike mckay's to the you know the ken cole's our Greens. Mm-hmm. you, you don't an list in adelaide like i watched that as the detroit pistons That were like the bad boys yeah. the, the the fight's got to be there and the hungerness you know they're here to compete every single single day and you know no one walks into Adelaide and, and, and walks out of there pretty much you, you walk out of there sore beat up mm. and you're glad that, you're glad that you're leaving town and more likely you're leaving with your tail between your legs and so I looked at between Melbourne being the mecca of, of basketball like the New York and, and Adelaide being that hot spot that Doos day double was uh, you know became oh yeah I, I think I, I think Adelaide started it wasn't so much Perth while mm-hmm. Perth was a tough check to go as you keep going out out west but um overall it was Adelaide that that first licking that you took most teams didn't recover by the time they got got to Perth and took the with a butt whooping and was able to uh had a week recruit, 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 for the next week. But um yeah, I think uh it always played a special part in playing against the thirty sixers. Like I always felt it wasn't so much the goosebumps as I don't get overexcited from the bigger the venue that you know, it's it's more of you're on the big stage and I guess Michael Jordan said the best of every day that you step on the floor, you know someone's watching you and so and you never know who's watching you. I was got told from a from a young age, you know, some kids you're inspiring and some kids you're giving them hope by how hard you play every every single possession. And for those that quit, you're telling them that, you know, they can get there by by doing it half half the work and, you know, less motivated and blaming others when you need to do your part and play your role. So uh, coming to Adelaide I think that that was one that always shone. I thought the light seemed to be brighter for me. Um, I've had some good games there. I've had some games where I struggled. Um, but team-wise, I've always put a team on that floor that was competitive that, you know, I think over, yeah, if you go back in the day, I think it's over the time that it's been in the NBL, it's definitely been a top-four team in this league. Mm. Uh, top four, Definitely a top-four state for sure,
1: well, which is where,
2: where you want to be in basketball.
1: Were the fans generally kind to you or did, did they sometimes get like to get stuck into you a little bit?
2: Uh, it depends on if I got into Booby or not. If I got into <laughs> the Marzi every once in a while <laughs> or, or when you show out, I think the fans respect you for what you're capable of doing. They've, they've seen enough basketball um, from the, the young kids that have come out, they can see it today on TV, to, to the to the students of the game that were watching my father playing and to be able to see the change of the game and when you see a talented player, you just acknowledge that, and they're very respectful. Um, yeah, like any fan, they they do you when they want to, they want success, and you know that that was a that were hard done by as a as a team or a franchise. Um, but they always showed love when love needed to be shown, and I always respected that about Adelaide. Hmm.
1: Just one more question before I'll ask you about their current team, and then then I'll I'll let you go because you've been generous with your time with us, CJ. Um, Obviously, you had a great time playing under Brian Gorgian. It's remarkable to think that, you know, 16 years after you won those titles um, with him, that he's yeah. coaching the Boomers to, a, to to that bronze medal in Tokyo and now you're going to be coaching up against him. It's it's a remarkable journey over the last 20 years that you've had, you know, alongside and against Brian Gorgian.
2: Yeah. Um, definitely, a, what a moment. Um, he's definitely a, a mastermind and in a lot of areas of, of life in the game, and um, I guess if you, well, you you get to go through some of the challenges and circumstances he's going through and come out the other side, you'd be pretty proud of yourself. After hearing some some of his uh, stories, there's always a laugh in there and there, there might be, be a couple of tears along the way as well. Um, but overall, every every player that he's he's had has had uh, a major effect on um, both in, in their personal life and and on the floor, and as we all know that you. Not every player can you can be connected with the coach. Uh, when I say that, I mean like not everyone has the same relationship. Yeah, sure. um, overall, you all have one, and mine with him I guess goes back to my father. He was there when my little brother was born in Melbourne. Uh, they spent time together in the hospital, and yeah. him, Bruce, Bruce Palmer, and Brian Gordon and my father, and you know, up in Melbourne while we well, were in Geelong. and I guess and then to be able to. Watch their journeys, with, I guess, from the magic and competing and playing from their fight to Gorge with the Tigers to being able to play with Gorge. And I guess he he would have known and he knew then. I was challenging him a lot on philosophy, on things to do, and here's what I see in the game, this is how I'm reading it. And uh, I like to think I was blowing his mind away, and he, <laughs> he hadn't been tested like that in a long time. Yeah. Um, with the talent that we had on that team that was able to win those, go to two or three grand finals with um, David Stiff, Brett Wheeler, and Matt Nielsen, Jason Smith, Debbie Ra. I can go on and on. But um, I have a lot of talent, so I knew that if I made this about CJ Bruton scoring a lot of points and trying to be a hero, um, this is not why, first, is not who I am. It's not why I came to, to Sydney. I came here just to win um, and to go through the journey with him. I was recovering through um, having surgery on my knee and um, just to spend that time with him um, like he stood up for me yes, when my dad challenged me on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he had my back and that was just, first, pers- uh, I guess the, the, the tale for me at that point of my career of you know, when when you're at home and you're getting parenting, you know as a kid you can go in your shell, your dad's right, but for me I was like well I'm living my dream and I'm trying to do it the best way I know how, like I'm just trying to live and to have my coach have my back it was a special moment for me and something that I'll never forget um, and I know it didn't well, it might have hurt my dad or maybe not. I just know that my dad understood where where I was at and and he respected that. And to be able to have an outcome the way it did over the three years I was there, went to three grand finals, was definitely a special moment. Um, but what I learned from him is, you know, you, you enjoy every moment with the team. And while I don't have as many stories as him, uh, my relationships will, uh, will carry on with each player the way Gorgeous has with the Boomers players and to be able to, have an outcome and clearly his speech after the loss to Team USA uh, for all the boys that I've spoken to um, told me that it was the one speech that, and I've had a few over my time, um, that could, you can walk out of the room like, well, we didn't lose anything, we're about to go win a medal, let's go get it done. Yeah, it was sure. one of the ultimates sprints. Um, and while we're all different and built different, I think um, he definitely commands that space in motivation um, and been around a long time to be able to have that under his belt. But I've worked from a lot of great coaches um, and been around a lot of from Adrian Hurley, who was my first coach um, having, having Joey Wright, who I call Eric coached me in Brisbane um, with a star, start team. But again, an elite person, motivator, able to get a lot out of players to having Gorgian, to having the, uh, the mindset that the guy that loves to be, uh, play, play chess with the game. Andre Laminas, um, and, and having a, a team and being able to build a team and then being able to uh, understand and or orchestrate it to a way that for for me as a as a young kid, visualizing the same way that my under sixteen state coach taught me um, was amazing and to get back to that space made me feel like a kid again. I was I was fresh into um, being saluted in the way that I was with Gordon of if it this is how it trickles down through the group and we have a high standard and we're going to carry the standard everywhere we go when we walk into a building, how we how we act, how we treat people. Uh, we're not that team and people might not love you, but we walk out of here, we shake their hands and we go about our business and we'll go to war against each other at practice and, and blood, sweat or tears, we're hugging each other and we're ready to go to war with one another again uh, on the weekend. Uh, you're wearing the same jersey as me today, son, so let's go and get this done. So um, it's um, definitely a lot of there's a lot in that, but um, mm. one the bottom line is that um, we all like to think that we get, we learn a lot of different things from the, the first father that coaches you, uh, or your parent that coaches you, teach you how to dribble, a ball, or just do a three man weave, whatever it may be, teach you how to shoot, even though you're not very good shooters, and he's thinking this is great. Uh, the impact that he has on your life to first coach that's a rep coach that comes into your life as a major effect, um, I don't think that they really understand how much they impact your lives. Um, so, for me, um, playing for Adrian Hurley, who was the Olympic coach, he just left the Olympics, uh, just finished up with the Australian team, coached me off the bat, and then I went to college uh, with Terry Carroll and was able to win a junior college championship and play with some elite players. Again, they've gone on to the NBA and done elite things in Europe to come back to Australia and, again, have legendary coaches like Brian Carroll to to move the to take two of the top Australians from Brendan Joyce in Illawarra mm-hmm. who I wasn't able to win a title with, but they won one soon as I left. I yep. was able to get all the pieces in that they needed. I was able to help build that culture over time and then come back and play for my father. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, you know, being father and son one of those special moments. Unfortunately, Kevin never got the finish and that became the New Zealand license And from there to Sydney to Brisbane with Joey to um, New Zealand with Andre. Uh, to back to Brisbane, where I was able to bring Dre to Brisbane, with Arthur yeah. Ketzman put me at the helm, and I uh, had a chance to be the head coach up the that. And knowing that you don't get any credit for doing it, you, you've got to build, got to build equity. Um, and I felt like everywhere I've gone, I've tried to do that. Um, and and over time, it's it's the culture, people, uh, it's the organization, um, and doing it the right way. And so, like if you get that that. that that right, a lot of good things will come and your organisation will grow.
1: Mm, absolutely. Um, now, this Adelaide thirty sixes team that you've got to be the coach of now, obviously, as a head coach, you would prefer to have a say, in, I guess, signing these players, but the circumstances obviously didn't quite allow that for this season. Mm. But I don't think you would have too many complaints. I mean, you have a look at the squad. The fact that they were able to maintain... Isaac Humphries and, and DJ was already signed. Sunday Detridge was already signed. Those guys are a massive. The Mitch McCarron signing to me is an absolute massive one. I'm really excited to see him join. Um, Tad Duffelmeyer, what we saw from him up in Cairns last season has me pretty excited about what he can do for you. We know Mojave mm. King, what sort of a future he has. Who knows what K-Soto yeah. could bring once he gets out on the court and then you've got the couple of imports and you've obviously spent a lot of time with Todd already and... And we've got we've got Dusty Hannons as well. Um, you didn't you didn't have a lot of say in putting that group together, but I don't think you'd have too many complaints about it either.
2: No, definitely definitely didn't. I guess from afar, and watching it all get put together, um, working with uh, Greg Vanderjack of uh, who's scattered. This one going to be and how this going to play out. Um, looking at their roster, like this is um, definitely. Um, Exciting group of, of a mixture of youth and experience, mm. uh, and and this ability with I guess with Todd and uh, Dusty, and you've got your championship uh, winners in Sunday Ditch and Mitch McCarron, yep. uh, and having guards in the backcourt and uh, as, as a point guard, and with Sunday being a, you know that guy can come in and lock, lock down different players. DJ has been always been on the cusp of of. Um, been the all-time well who knows by the time his career is done he definitely go down in, in the books with Adelaide but he's he's been one of those players of the decade and of his, definitely of his time, that instant scorer that can put a, put the ball in the bucket and he does it with so, such ease um, having Isaac Humphrey being a, an elite player that's had stints overseas uh, in, in the NBA um, and then and having back in Adelaide is definitely a an added bonus of with his intangibles and his size and his attributes that he's able to bring to the floor. And as you said about Kai Soto, like you've got the we've got the blessing of a of a young kid that's that's been put on my doorstep who I was hunting for while I was in Brisbane. Mm. Um from from the time that we were in the hub trying to push that to within the organization but not knowing which way our organisation was headed, um and who was coaching it. Everyone just let it fall on deaf ears and yeah. he's coming. Like he, he left, um, I remember Kai when he wasn't in the, uh, he took his name out of the G League elite and I followed him from high school. So to see him go back to the Philippines to go and try and play there before COVID and when that fell to and he tried to go back to the G League. said so he's not going to stick. We need to jump on this now when that never happened. And to see that the 36 is signing, I was like sending messages in our coaches group like, man. Are you serious right now? Like <laughs> I'm like, Oh well, you know, we don't win a World Series. He's like, Yeah, I know but it's not like we answered the bell either. But he has such a great upside, a, I know he's, he's young and as an eighteen year old kid there's there's a tendency of you know how you know your skill set mm. yet playing against men at elite levels, we know the NBL is in tough for a lot of players that come over here and just go and straight dominate it, um but with his size and his ability to be able to make an impact on it. I don't see why he can't. Um, and like like Mo King, they both have aspirations of, of doing better things and but there's an understanding of culture and team and, and making it about the team and, and then being able to do their part within that group is, is important. I think mean, with the that again, Dusty Hannon and, and Todd bring that experience. They've also traveled the globe a little bit mm. so they understand culture um, and I think our Australian culture will Embrace both of those guys and show them a lot of love, and we will get get a lot of value out of, out of them as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot to be excited about. Um, just one last one, CJ. Um, yep. you now I, I know you don't know exactly when you're getting to Adelaide, but Princess and the and the kids are they all excited to be joining you? And are you all looking forward to calling Adelaide home at least for the next oh, yeah. the next couple of years?
2: Definitely. Um, my, my six-year-old woke up this morning. He's like, "Can we just go now? Like, <laughs> let's just go now." He's, the next, I the next apprentice, and he's coming up like, "Mom, how many more hours?" <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, son. I think my, my oldest, is he's, uh, hes super excited as a as a fourteen-year-old. You know, his, his life is changing as we all know as, as a teenager, mm-hmm. and you know, leaving school and when you make friends and you're you're in the the hoop hoop game. Um, it's never easy but I think those challenges and trying to get him to embrace the um, new challenge He you, you know how to play in, in New Zealand and it's a first piece of basketball in Brisbane really and get your feet wet and now you're with a whole group of state players that are that are playing elite level he's a lot he's a bit bigger than me he does have an afro but he's still taller than me already and he's 14 so he's got a, more of his uh, his mum's side in him which is which is good. I'm happy to see that because I was the shortest guy on the floor walking <laughs> yeah. with swag like my father. <laughs> so he so might he, get to that six um, five, he? he, I think he 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 will have a very good chance of yep. getting towards the six five So getting him out of the hole and getting him to play play the uh, a guard or a two guard or a three guard the three man would be um, special for him at this point in time. But um, then my my year old is have that Ash Burgess and he's my uh, he's my special one and. Mm. While he joins and connects with my family, and while as family know about the struggle of autism, um, it's definitely something that I mean God doesn't give you something that you can't handle. Uh, my wife is amazing in that space, being able to deal with with uh, two boys <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, and myself, yep. three boys and myself, <laughs> she's, she's like you might as well be one of them, as we all know from mm-hmm. time to time. But um, yeah, she's princess of the glue and and. And we're all, we're all excited to come to Adelaide and and not only uh, embrace the community, but um you know, get involved on and off the floor for the Adelaide 36ers.
1: No, fantastic, CJ. Obviously, we'll we'll stay in touch throughout the season and as the season gets closer. But now there's a fascinating chat and uh, I'm sure all of the 36 fans will enjoy the insight you gave. And more than anything, we're really excited to have you as our head coach. So thanks for joining us.
2: I no, appreciate it, Chris. And um, I look forward to catching up with you throughout the season. Thanks, Liam.
1: big thank you to cj for being so generous with his time there on on is fix with scott ninnis and i hope you all enjoyed the amazing insights that he gave not only into what he ho- he's hoping to bring to the job here at the 36s but also looking back on his playing career his journey in basketball and you know his coaching philosophies and and so much more it was a it was a chat that it went for a little while but it easily could have gone double triple the time i was having a a fantastic time just hearing the stories that he had to tell and I hope you all feel the same. Now, just a reminder here on Sixers Fixed with Scott Ninnis, we'll be back next week and we'll look to be with you a- each week now until the NBL season starts to build up to the campaign for the Adelaide 36 Plenty to talk about, plenty of new faces for us to catch up with and plenty for Scott Ninnis to rejoin me with and to break down for you. So we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you once again to our our generous sponsors, and please support them when you can. So, if you need some photography done, please go to All Star Photos. If you need any any sort of car needs, if you need a car, if you need your car serviced, or if you if you need anything done with your car, please check out Australian Motors Mitsubishi. Of course, if you have any interest in in the card world, in sporting cards, you know Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, any sort of cards that you can think of, please head to Sports Card World. Um, They're incredible sponsors here and they've made some of our listeners very happy over the past 12 months with the prizes that they've given away. We're hoping that we're starting to open up a little bit more and we're hoping some wine tours might be on your future as well if you're a listener, so please head to Premium Wine Tours with Scott Ninnis to check that out. And, of course, thank you to the LA36s for backing us in to do this podcast and thank you to to CJ Bruggan once again. I'll be back with Scott Ninnis Next week, I'm Chris Pike signing off for another edition of Sixers Fix.